0: Hi, this is Sean Benson from Harvest Church in Warrensburg, Missouri. I want to thank you for joining us for this week's podcast. For more resources, log on to (laughs) harvestwarrensburg.com. Wow, so hey, a couple of weeks ago, I introduced... The, the, the idea of, of finances, of, of money, but really within the context of the orphan spirit. We're still kind of wrapping up that just a little bit. Next couple of weeks probably will be the conclusion of that topic. But we introduce finances as it relates to that topic because money is such a, a genuine measure of our heart and, and, and really how far we have yet to go when it comes to this orphan mentality. How much of this stuff is still staining my life? Take a look at your finances. And I know that hurts (laughs) to look at that, but take a look at your finances. It's a a fantastic measure of where, where we really truly are in terms of ridding ourselves of this orphan mentality, but also in the process of maturity in our faith. How many of you know our Father in heaven is a generous Father? Right? There's not a person here. Look, we don't deserve anything that He's given us. Not a solitary individual in this room deserves anything from God, and yet He gave us everything. Tell me He's not a generous God. Right? And not only did he give us everything, he continues to pour himself out to us. He conti- like if we understood someday we're going to cross over into eternity and we're going to get this, we're going to get the map of our, the, you know, the, what, what's uh, Michael Brodeur call it in our destiny groups? The, the, the mapper, something, the ma- spiritual mapper for our life. We're going to be able to look at it from God's perspective and we're going to go, oh my gosh, I didn't know you released angels to protect me in that moment. That moment we're probably complaining, Why didn't you show up, God? And we're like, there's a myriad of angels around us, protecting us and advancing us, going before and coming and girding in behind. It's like we have no idea how much God is actually releasing towards each of us every second of every day. You know, some believe he's actually assigned, there's a scripture that seems to reference that, assigned an angel to guard about you. (laughs) Now, how do you like that? He's assigned an angel to you to supervise you, to to intervene, to execute the purposes of God over your life. How many of you know he doesn't have to do any of that stuff? He just had to send Jesus. He said, this was love that I sent Jesus. That was it. He could have put a bow on it, wrapped it up, and that would have been enough. But he continues to overflow in generosity towards us in our life. Our Father is a generous Father, and he calls us to be the same way. And it's a great measure, a measuring, right? A metric to see exactly how far we've come. And the other part of that, and by extension, it makes sense. The other part of that is that then money becomes a pathway out of an orphan mentality. See, if if an orphan mentality causes us to believe that we're all on our own, and, and it causes us to believe that our future is solely dependent upon us, then, then when I sow my, my really his resources, <laughs> but when I sow money, money that I've earned on the job, when I sow that to other people, it, it by necessity means I actually have to look up and see other people. I have to see something other than myself. And the moment that I begin to see that there are other people other than myself, how many of you know I'm beginning now to step out of the orphan mentality that says I was all on my own? We are at right this morning. This is you're, you're, there's nothing like your money to break that mentality, but it also partners you. We talked about a couple weeks ago with the biblical kingdom principle of sowing and reaping. So not only am I not navel-gazing anymore, because I have to look up to see the people that are around me, right? So I'm not just looking at myself and my own needs and dependent upon myself. I'm actually now recognizing there are others around me that God has uniquely and strategically placed me to be able to meet the needs of, right? So this is what God has done for each one of us. We have a sphere. He's uniquely placed me there to have eyes to see and to partner with Him to meet the needs, to be the answer to the prayers of the people that are around me. But now I'm sowing to people in need around me such that when I'm in need, what happens? Is the Bible true? Do we reap what we sow? So now I'm stepping into a contract, a a God kingdom principle in my life. I'm recognizing that there are others around me, others that I can partner with and others who will partner with me at bare minimum because I have initiated the principle of sowing and reaping. You know, follow with me for those of you who like your paper Bibles. We're going to be in Luke chapter 16 today, maybe the next couple of weeks. It's it's incredibly rich when it comes to our own financial stewardship, how we're to step into it and how we're to continue to walk out of this orphan mentality. That's Luke chapter 16. We're going to be starting from the top. And hitting this pretty good. The parable of the dishonest manager. Starting in verse 1. Now he was also saying to the disciples, there was a rich man who had a manager, and this manager was reported to him as squandering his possessions. And he called him and said to him, what is this that I hear about you? Give an accounting of your management, for you can no longer be manager. The first thing that we need to understand is this, Jesus Christ with his own blood, we just remembered the work that he did through communion this morning, Jesus Christ with his own blood purchased you. Did you know that? He purchased you. How many of you know that the Bible says that you're not your own? So Jesus purchased me, then, then that by extension, that means that I'm a slave. You're a slave. You know that? I know first service sometimes a little sleepy. If Jesus purchased me, I'm no longer my own. That means I have a master. Okay, follow with me people at home, all right? There you go. Make sure they're going to get it because these guys, they're not, you know... We have a master. I'm a slave. Now, that means that any resources that I generate as a slave are not mine. They're the masters. Right? I'm not my own. Nothing I have is my own. I'm simply a steward of absolutely everything because he's purchased me, because I have a master, because I'm a slave to him. That means that when I said yes to Jesus Christ, I gave up my rights. Did you know that you gave up your rights? See, they didn't tell you this, did they? They were like, no, it's fine. You just say yes to Jesus. Everything else will take care of itself. You didn't know what you were getting into, did you? It means I give up my rights. Like, when I say yes to Jesus, how many of you know Jesus is both Savior and Lord? They're linked. They cannot be separated. It's, it's not, well, uh, when I was five years old, Jesus became my Savior. No, he didn't. He didn't become your savior unless he also became Lord. At Fifteen years later, after I lived a life of absolute and utter hell, I finally gave my life to him and he became my Lord. Well, good, you finally got saved. Savior and Lord are the same thing. You cannot separate them. If you love God, you will obey him. Doesn't that, isn't that what the Bible says? They're inextricably linked. When you got saved, when you said yes to this thing, you gave up your rights. You gave up your rights to be independent. You gave up your rights to do what you wanted when you wanted to do it. What do you think happens to a slave on the farm when he just runs off and does whatever he wants without talking to the master or getting permission for what he's doing? What if he takes a bunch of the master's money and he runs off to town to the bar, starts buying everybody rounds? Without telling the master, without getting the approval of the master, how's that going to go for the slave? Guess what? You're a slave. <laughs> Any resources that you generate are his. And we need his permission on how we spend his money. <laughs> Wait, <We> all <are> right. Good <laughs> it work. It <laughs> the second thing we need to understand, and we see it in this parable, is this. We will give an account someday. We will give an account. And not just for our financial stewardship, but for the stewardship of our time and our talents. It's funny, you know, in in Christianity, we, we often, well, we're saved by grace through faith. That's true. That's absolutely true. So grateful for that revelation coming to the body of Christ. But how many of you know the word also says that you've been set apart for good works? You've been created by God for good works. Well, I thought we weren't supposed to do anything. <laughs> I, thought, I thought we did. We're saved by grace. I thought I could just write in and it's all good. No, you actually have to do something. In fact, if you're saved, I would suggest to you that by nature, because your nature just changed, by nature, you'll actually have the desire to do the good works that God has set apart for you. How many of you know there will be a day just like this steward when God calls each of us to account? And we're going to have to stand before him. And We, we, we know that the blood of Jesus, we just remembered this morning in communion, his sacrifice and what he did for us. We, we know that the blood of Christ, that it, that it, that it washes me clean that it takes away my sin. Psalms 103 removes it as far as the east is from the west. Come on, Jesus, thank you so much because I couldn't get there on my own. We know that. We know that that's what happens. But once I've accepted that and I've been washed clean, now I get to join and partner with him in the journey of becoming like him and he's a generous God. I get to join in the discovery of who I am before him, what my talents are, what my calling is. What gifts that he's laid up just for me to be able to walk in? What opportunities he's given for me personally to steward? How many of you know there's not another person on the planet like you are called to do exactly what you're called to do? As soon as you say yes, you get to walk into the process of discovering that. And we will have to stand before him and give an account for both the good and the bad. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 10 says, so we will all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may be recompensed for the deeds in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. You might be able to escape the judgment for your sin, but will you be able to escape the judgment for your stewardship? Make no mistake about it, what you do today, right now, and for the rest of your life, and what you have done from this day all the way to the beginning of your life makes a huge difference in eternity. <laughs> God didn't set this thing up so that we could get saved and, 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 and like usher, get ushered into heaven by the skin of our teeth. How many of you know that the, the, the sinner on the cross, the thief on the cross, was no model for how you're supposed to live your life? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to partner with the devil all the way till I'm on the cross next to Jesus. And then, then I'm going to give my, you know, that guy got in just barely by fire. And only this because he was incredibly fortunate to happen to be crucified next to the Savior. Who could preach the gospel to him. <laughs> We're not all afforded that luxury, are we? We don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. We continue in this parable, chapter, rather, verse 3. The manager said to himself, what shall I do since my master is taking the management away from me? I'm not strong enough to dig, kind of a sissy guy, you know, come on, where are you at? (laughs) (laughs) I'm not strong enough to dig and I'm too ashamed to beg, I know what I shall do. So that when I'm removed from my management, that people will welcome me into their homes. And he summoned each one of the master's debtors. And he began saying to them, first, how much do you owe my master? And he said, uh, the first one said, a hundred measures of oil. And he said to him, take your bill, sit down and quickly write 50. Verse 7. Then he said to another, how much do you owe? And he said, a hundred measures of wheat. And he said to him, take your bill and write 80. How many of you know he's not calling them to account? He's not suggesting, hey, take your bill and write like most of what you owe my master right out of check right now because I'm going to bring this big pot of money to my master. That's not what's happening. He's actually suggesting, oh, you owe 100? Uh, You know what? Let me see your bill. As the steward, he had a unique place to be able to operate on behalf of the master and with some authority to steward these resources. He takes the bill from the landowner, from the tenant, I say landowner, but probably from the renter. He takes the bill from them. He says, oh, you owe 50? Let me rewrite the, or excuse me, 100. Let me rewrite the bill for you such that it looks like you only owe 50. Now you owe me. I just saved you so much money. Now you owe me. That's what's happening here. Verse 8. And his master praised the unrighteous manager. Wait, What? Okay, all right. He praised the unrighteous manager because he had acted shrewdly. For the sons of this age are more shrewd in relation to their own kind than the sons of light. Now, I don't know about you, but I find this verse very curious. Jesus uses the illustration of a filthy sinner. A lazy, no good, filthy sinner who takes advantage of his master and he praises him. You did a good job, sign. That's really good. You did good. Does that strike anyone else as strange? And then the second thing is, it's even better. It's like, you, know, you filthy, no good steward. Good. You did, you did good. You did good in that moment. And for the rest of you, children of God, you suck at money. That's what it said. It's <laughs> <Just> paraphrased. <laughs> As for the rest of you, my children, the ones who have said yes to me, the ones who have crossed over into the kingdom, you know, the sons and daughters of God, for you guys, you guys aren't nearly as sharp with your finances as the heathens of the world. Don't you find this curious? To understand it, we have to go back to the beginning. Why was this steward being praised? What was it that he did? Now, I can tell you this with absolute assurity that Jesus Christ was not looking at him and going, yeah, that was really good sin. You did did good. That was a great, good job. That was really creative the way that you sinned. I applaud your sin. No, that's not what Jesus is doing here, okay? He's using a negative example to to prove ultimately a kingdom point. So what is it? Think back to the very beginning. What happened? The master comes to him, and apparently his rendering, his giving of account is actually set for a future date. It gives you the impression it's happening right now where it's like, turn in your keys, turn in your, card, your badge and your time card. You're out of here, sucker. No, it's, it seems like there's actually a day of reckoning It's set for a future date. Have, so upon learning this information, upon learning that in the future, he's going to have to give an account, He then begins right now today to make preparations for that future. This is Biblical Finances 101. I'm telling you, if you can get a hold of this concept right here, you will literally climb your way out of poverty. He's being praised Because he was able to assess his situation today in light of what was coming in the future. See, there was an appointment coming in the future. There was something that with absolute certainty was going to happen. There will be a day of reckoning, a day of accounting, where he's going to have to give account to the master for his stewardship. How many of you know it says this day is going to happen? And in light of what he knew was coming in the future, he began to prepare today. He began to sacrifice today. He began to process through what it's going to look like to get to the other side. This is the biggest difference between the rich and the poor. Do you know that? The poor tend to eat up everything in the day. What are the provisions? Fantastic. Give them all to me. I'll eat it all today. But you got more today than you had the day before. I know. And I may not get that tomorrow so I'm going to eat it all today. Tomorrow will take care of itself. And there's a scripture that seems to, like, hey, today has enough worries and concerns of its own. Tomorrow will take care of itself. No, Jesus was talking about trusting him, not, like, not circumventing your stewardship. You know, sin. Like, he wasn't saying, you know what? There's no reason to, to prepare for your future at all. Today's got enough concerns of its own. No, he was saying, trust in me, I got you and apply wisdom to your life. Now we're being admonished. Like, this is the biggest thing that separates the rich and the poor because the poor rather the rich have the ability to assess what's happening today and to sacrifice today for what they know is coming down the pike. The poor seemingly don't have the ability. They do have the ability. They just refuse to step into it. And so they eat up all their seed. They eat up all of their provision. What happens when you have no provision? I guess you have to beg. Thank God for other generous people who have stewarded their finances well, or else there would be nothing to beg. It's okay, you can smile at me and nod. Boy, I tell you, it's getting tough today. Tough, tough word, isn't it? John Mark, and the this, this stares back at me make me, you know, I to have to wrap up a little early. I don't know. <laughs> This is the same thing we read in Proverbs chapter 6. I absolutely adore these scriptures here. Starting in verse 6, it says, Go to the ant, O slugger, observe her ways and be wise, which having no chief or officer or ruler, prepares her food in the summer. First of all, I like how it likens her unto a woman. It's like the woman is the diligent steward here. Anyways, just saying. It turns out the woman in Proverbs is the one that's wise too. Sorry, guys. Now, I just did that for Gwen's sake. Now she loves me a little bit more. <laughs> Which having no chief, no officer or ruler, prepares her food in the summer and gathers her provision in the harvest. How long will you lie down, O oh sluggard? Will you, uh, when will you arise from your sleep, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and your poverty will come like a vagabond. And your need, like the armed, like an armed man. <laughs> Most people look at the scripture and we, we suppose it's simply talking about laziness. And of course, that is an element of what's being prescribed. But look closely at what's happening. It's more than just an admonishment to actually do something with our lives. Get up off the couch, you lazy Christian, and do something. Okay, that's in there. Right? But there's a bigger life or kingdom principle at foot. What's that principle? That the ant with discipline and care, looked to the future and began to prepare today for what she knew was coming. How many of you know the ant could have eaten up all the provisions right then and there? Just, I don't know what is gonna bring. Let's just live and die. That's the world. That's a, that's a worldly mindset. Well, we're admonished to be like the ant to sacrifice what I could be eating today to forecast in the future what is absolutely an inevitability. What's coming down the pike? Don't push that off to another day's concern to figure out. Sacrifice today to prepare for what you know is coming. Otherwise, poverty will come like a vagabond and like a thief in the night. Think about this practically. What kind of practical things do you absolutely know with certainty are coming in your future? And by that, I mean that you're going to have to spend money on. Let's see, how many of you pay an electric bill? Let's just, let's just go by sequence of, of time. Huh? Right, okay, so we all, we all have an electric bill. And, and if you're not paying an electric bill, I'd love to know how. Probably the hunters are off the grid, man. They're like, I don't pay. I got a windmill and a solar cell that I built with my own hands. Yes, Lord, that's going to be me someday. <laughs> anyway, right, so most of us, except the hunters, have an electric bill that we have to pay. And, and we, you know, electric bill, you've got a gas bill, maybe you've got a trash bill, I guess that one's flexible, <laughs> right? But we know that basically within the period of 30 days, I've got a number of things that are going to come due, right? And what happens if I don't have the money to pay for those things that are coming due? They, they, they yell at me <laughs> and ultimately shut it all off right? Uh, and, and so is it safe to say that, that there's uh, something being demanded of me on a monthly basis? Is it safe to say that it, with relative certainty, I can guarantee that I'm going to get a bill in the mail for my gas and my electricity and what, you know, whatever else your monthly expenses are? Is that a pretty safe bet? Okay, so then how stupid is it of me to squander and eat up all of my money right now and it, like all of my electricity money, on soda pops at the gas station, on a random vacation that I didn't schedule or prepare for, or uh, you know, you, whatever it is. Like, uh, maybe, uh, maybe I took a trip and spent a whole bunch of gas money that I didn't have prepared for. Whatever it looks like, how dumb would it be for me to take the resources that were set aside for an electric bill that I absolutely know is coming in my future and to squander it on something else today? Ah, tomorrow I'll take care of itself. And if that's your mentality, poverty will come like a vagabond. Let's take it a little bit further into the future. What about, like, I don't know, car repairs? Anybody drive an automobile? You know, the sneaky thing about auto stuff is is that we can get sleepy. We're like, it's driving, it seems fine, and then it's making that strange noise. You know, and then all of a sudden, the pastor's walking, walking by the parking lot, and he's like, oh my gosh, have you seen your tires? There's a metal belt sticking out of all of them. How are... uh, is it safe to say that car repairs is an inevitability? How many of you have ever spent money on an auto repair in your life? Hmm. So, like everybody, the rest of you are liars. <laughs> liars go to hell. Liars go to hell. Oh, that... Okay, that's not right. <laughs> Except that it is. So, anyway. So it's a virtual inevitability that at some point I'm going to have to spend money on my automobile. That's just a little bit further out. So I have to prepare a little bit more. I have to be a bit more conscious of it. Well, what happens if I haven't prepared and I have a blowout? What happens if I haven't prepared and in three or four years all of my tires on my car go bad? And that's a $500 bill at minimum. What happens? What do you do? Where's the money come from? You haven't prepared. You ate up all of your provisions today. You didn't act like the ant. What are you going to do? Beg. I'm going to beg. See, I, 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 for one, applaud the guy, this faithful or actually unfaithful steward, where he's like, I'm, I'm too proud to beg. I'm not going to do that. I'm too proud to. I, I'm not going to enter into that. Rather, what I'm going to do is sacrifice today for what I know is coming tomorrow. That's what he said. I'm not going to squander this opportunity. I'm going to advance in. I'm going to sacrifice. I'm going to consider what I know is coming in the future. I'm going to make preparations, and I'm going to make sure that when future arrives, that I'm prepared and and I'm ready for it. How about retirement? That's a little bit further down the road, and oh my goodness, if you're young, like, Sixty-some years. What is it for the new guys? Seventy, probably. It's going to be eighty-five soon. They're like, we're just hoping you die before you cash out on Social Security. Old people are like, <laughs> I know, I'm biting my fingers. It's probably safe to say that on some level, everybody in here is going to retire someday. You no, no. you can refire, like the Nolkers, but but they still retired. They still stopped doing what they had been doing for a number of years. And it's probably safe to say that at some point, and I don't know, correct me if I'm wrong, Huffakers, wherever you guys went, there you are, it's probably safe to say at some point you cross a threshold of age where you can't do some of the things that you could have done when you were younger. Is that safe to say? Uh, Ask Greg Cleveland about his clavicle that he broke here a while back playing softball. He asked the doctor, uh, would that have happened a few years ago? The doctor says, decidedly not. (laughs) You're old, Sorry. (laughs) <laughs> like, so, so it's inevitable that we get to a point where we have to probably throttle back some of the activities that we could have done when we were younger, and a, largely, for most of us, retirement is a part of that equation. Is that safe to say? Well, what happens if we don't prepare for retirement? What happens if you don't set aside today for what you absolutely know is going to come tomorrow? It's absolutely coming, isn't it? Oh, I can tell you right now, as a quasi-used-to-be young person, boy, it's so far in the future. It's super easy to neglect that one. It's so far off your immediate radar. When you're young, you're just going to live forever. You know, it's all. It's like that's like a. a it's so far in the future, and if you're unwilling to sacrifice today to prepare for that day, that day will come. How many of you that day came faster than you ever? Gwen just retired within the last year or two. It came faster than you ever, than you ever even knew possible, didn't it? You know? It's coming. It's an inevitability. What happens if you don't prepare? Well, then I guess if you're fortunate enough, you're living off of the government at some super, super low level, and you better get your life or, you know, organized and chopped all the way completely out because what they're going to give you is pretty minimal, I'm guessing, depending on what you've paid in. You understand? Do you see the principle at play? What about death? Hebrews tells us that for each one of us, there's a point at a day that we're going to die. Is so it pretty safe to say that's a future inevitability for all of us? Now, I know. As soon as I say that, you're like, "What? Jesus, Jesus is coming back before I go." Listen, right, you know. God bless you. I hope he does. I hope he does. Virtual certainty. It's not going to happen for any of you. My opinion, some people would disagree with me. It's been a very long time. All I know is this. He said, blessed are those found working when I come. Right? That's what I know. Those who are preparing, those who are pressing in, who've put their hand to the plow of the kingdom, I don't know when he's going to return, but a virtual certainty that all of you in here are probably going to die to meet him, not going to meet him in the clouds. Again, you may disagree with me. Are we preparing today for what is an absolute certainty for our future? You think, well, how in the world do you prepare for death? Well, see, death is the gateway to the reality of eternity. I'm already in eternity, but, but uh, death opens up the gateway to the spiritual reality where I get to participate in a way that's different than what I currently am in the flesh, right? Right? So, when we talk about preparing today for what is inevitable, what's coming in the future, and death is absolutely coming in the future for all of us, we're talking about our eternity. Are are you preparing today for your eternity? What intentional decisions are you making today that will impact your eternity? It's as we said in the beginning. What you do absolutely matters. Eternity is a very long time. Are you prepared to meet him? Are you prepared to give an account for your life, for your talent, your treasure, for the investment of your time? Are you prepared? Or does that make you have a little bit of concern and fear and trepidation? If you have a little bit of concern, a little bit of fear and trepidation over the subject, may I admonish you this morning that it's not too late to begin to live for eternity. See, And that's exactly where Jesus takes us in this parable. <laughs> See, the very next line, verse 9. So they say to you, make friends for yourselves by means of, wealth, of the wealth of unrighteousness so that when it fails, they will receive you into eternal dwellings. What's he talking about? He's talking about the money that you and I earn as a salary, as a whatever, uh, on our job. The money that is given in exchange for my labors. What's he saying? He said, make for yourselves friends with that money. (laughs) That's a weird thing to say. How in the world would I make friends with the money that I earn from my job? Think about what a friend is. A friend is somebody who actually wants to spend time with you, who enjoys your company. What would money have to do with that? What, do I, what can I do with money to create the outcome that the Bible is telling me that I'm supposed to create? I can give it away. I give it away. You ever seen somebody win the lottery, and all of a sudden, the great Aunt Bertha, who you never knew in your life even existed, crawls out of the woodwork and wants to be your best friend? Oh, I was your mother's Blah 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 and now we go way back. Yeah, I heard you won the lottery. Yeah, take a hike, Bertha. Listen. Everybody wants to be your friend. That's what he's saying. He's suggesting to us that like this is the this is the pathway. He says, make for yourselves friends with your money, the money that you earn on the job. How do you do that? You give it away. You become a blessing. Everybody wants to hang around the guy who is who's buying dinner every time. Like, hey, you wanna come hang out? You go to hang out, and they're like pulling out the spread because they're incredibly generous, right? That's the guy you want to keep hanging out with. The guy says, Hey, you wanna go grab a Coke? And you go, you know, you go to McDonald's for a Coke, and he's like, No, I got it, it's on me. You wanna hang out with that guy? Am I wrong? Are we alive? Yeah. Make for yourselves friends with your money. But then he says, this thing has eternal implications. How, how, would, how would making friends with my money, how would giving my money away have eternal implications? Remember that old, is it Ray Bolts, Corey? Where are you at? Is it Ray Bolts? That th- is thank you, right? Ray Bolts, is that how that right? I, I would almost play it except it's a copyright violation and it's six minutes long. I looked at it <laughs> you know, so, so you cross the threshold of heaven and all of a sudden there's a line of people and the people are coming and they're like, I just, I wanted to think, you. when you gave your last dollar to missions, that missionary talked to that person's mom and that person's mom got saved and, and, and she got saved and then like her sphere got saved and the next thing you know, there was like this missions movement and somewhere like 20 years later after you sowed that dollar, I was impacted by that. I gave my life to Jesus Christ. Thank you. That's just what it's talking about. Spend your money in such a way that it's an investment for your eternal future. Spend your money in such a way that you have a line of people in heaven going, man, I just want to thank you. I want to thank you. I want to thank you because you were a faithful steward, because you didn't think that your life was all about you. I want to thank you that you're what you thought was a meager investment, that God breathed on it. And look at all this fruit. Look at what he did. When you were sacrificial, you know, like the, the poor lady giving the mina in and the, and the church service, Like when you were faithful to that, when you made those sacrifices, when you budgeted your life to live within your means so that you could be a blessing to the people that are around you, look at the internal the eternal impact of your finances that's what it's talking about how many of you know like our earthly retirement is significant that's kind of a big deal we got to have some money to to take care of our health care needs and put food on the table and you know but, but but how much more important is our eternity and if we're doing nothing today to prepare for our eternity Make for yourselves friends with your money such that they will receive you in eternal dwellings, such that when you cross over into eternity, you actually have stored up for yourselves treasure where wrath, moth, and rust don't destroy. That's what it's saying. A little sleep a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and your poverty will come like a vagabond and your need like an armed man. Hmm. Don't put off your eternal preparations to tomorrow. Don't buy into that lie. Because just like the project that your husband has at home, tomorrow never comes. It keeps getting pushed out till tomorrow, doesn't it? Tomorrow never comes. Don't be like the thief on the cross and bank everything that you've got on. Oh, right before I die, then I'm going to, after I've lived the way that I want to live and I've been God of my own life, then I'll give my life to Christ. Good luck with that. Live your life in such a way as you're storing up for yourself treasure And it starts with this. It starts with making him Lord and Savior. Now, I probably know everybody that's here, but for the sake, just in case I don't, I'll say this as well. I also don't believe that there are as many people who are saved as they think they're saved. I think there's an awful lot of people who have prayed a prayer who are trying to be good people, but they still don't know him. But Lord, didn't we prophesy and cast out demons and heal the sick, depart from me for I never knew you. So there's something more than just doing this stuff. There's something more than just confessing that Jesus is God because even the demons do that, it says in James. It is my personal conviction. There's a lot of people in the church that still don't know him. And if you're sitting there right now and you're at home, and you just feel the conviction of Holy Spirit on that where you're like, oh, I don't know. I've, maybe I don't know him. Or you've never had an opportunity to make him Lord. We want to give you that opportunity this morning. So prayer ministry team, if you guys will come forward, please don't leave today. And if you're at home online with us, you know, call in, or shoot me an email, or you know, talk to somebody in your family who you know has a relationship with Jesus and let them know that you want to make that decision today. And for those of you that are here, if you've not made that decision or you want to just hit the reset button because you know that you haven't been living for eternity. You haven't been storing up treasures for your eternity. You've been squandering them here and the now to the today. Then these guys are going to be available, apparently all two of them, <laughs> and they'll help pray with you and walk you through that. Father, I bless these folks, and we, we just... Wow, would you, would you help us in this? Would you help us to get our eyes off of ourselves and onto those who you've strategically placed in our sphere of influence? Would you help us? We know, gosh, for most of us, eternity is so far away. It's so hard to comprehend. It's a little bit like retirement. <laughs> so hard to, to engage ourselves sometimes and that which is ethereal, it's, like just, it's hard to get our minds around, our hands on. But we're asking, Holy Spirit, that you would release grace over us to embrace this reality that we would live in such a way as people receive us into eternal dwellings. Grateful that we didn't live for ourselves, but that we live for something much bigger, that being Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. If you would like to contact us or would like more information about our church or additional podcasts or resources, please visit us online at harvestwarrensburg.com. We hope to see you soon.